It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the pre-election day New Jersey Globe Power Hour. And if I seem a little bit excited today, it's it's because I am. This is my favorite time of year. Uh, this, this, to me, is like the Super Bowl of the World Series. There are three days remaining until the 2021 election. Uh, after that, it'll be in our rearview mirrors. So this is the moment of truth for candidates, not just for governor and for the legislature, but for for down-ballot contenders, people running for county commissioner and mayor and council member up and down New Jersey. And while New Jerseyans decide who they want to be their next governor, Phil Murphy or Jack Chitterelli, there are hundreds of local candidates who've worked just as hard over the last few weeks who will watch their political fates and their careers be decided by voters on Tuesday. We have a great lineup today. I will speak with both candidates for governor, Governor Phil Murphy and his Republican challenger, Jack Chitterelli. Uh, and we'll also speak with Senate President Steve Sweeney. He is probably the most powerful legislative leader in the nation. And with Tom Kane Jr., he is the minority leader of the New Jersey State Senate and a candidate for Congress in 2022. You are going to hear the closing pitches of both candidates for governor. You're going to hear what the Senate leaders have to say. And, and I am saving the best for last. I could not be more excited about this. At 440, I'll be joined by NBC News, MSNBC, national political correspondent Steve Kornacki. He is the best political analyst anywhere on this planet. And since Steve spent his first four years of his career covering New Jersey politics, local and state elections. He knows Jersey inside and out. And we're going to do a deep dive into this race for governor. You can be sure you're not going to want to miss what Steve Kornacki has to say. And, and as my father says, numbers do not lie. And we're going to talk about numbers. Uh, voting begins at 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Uh, almost 600,000 people have already cast their ballots in early voting. Uh, vote by mail. Put that in some perspective. It's about 27% of all the votes that were cast four years ago have already been cast. And we're, we're seeing some new poll numbers this week. Monmouth University has Phil Murphy up by 11. Uh, two other pollsters, Fairleigh Dickinson and Stockton, have Murphy up by 9. Jersey can be difficult to predict. And uh, don't forget, as blue as New Jersey is, the state has a million more Democrats than Republicans. Democratic governor hasn't been reelected in 44 years. And since then, Jersey's elected and reelected three Republican governors. Uh, so, so we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Jack Chitterelli has he's got his work cut out for him, but he's on an upward trajectory. He started 26 points down. He went to 16 in August, 13 in September. Uh, now Murphy's lead is anywhere between 8 and 11 points, depending on which pollster, if any, is right. Uh, Assemblyman Chitterelli is joining us now. Jack Chitterelli, Election Day is three days away. Are you getting any sleep? Uh, there's no time for sleep, nor nor any need, David. We could sleep on November 3rd. So you're all over the state these days. I am. We've made it a point over the last 10 days to make multiple stops in all 21 counties. And I tell you, I couldn't be happier with the energy, the momentum, and I just feel really confident in the outcome on uh, Tuesday. And the crowds are the crowds from the photos I see online. They, they seem that you're getting seems like you're getting a good turnout there. 
We're getting great turnout, David, and what's been most exhilarating is the turnout in places where you typically haven't seen it before, or at least not in a very long time, in places like Camden County and places like Bergen County and Mercer County. That tells me we're on to something, and again, I'm looking forward to the vote count in three days. And for New Jerseyans who are still undecided about who they want to be their governor, Phil Murphy or Jack Cittarelli, what do you want to say to folks that are still making up their minds right now? That if you like living in a state with the highest property tax in the nation, if you like living in a state that's known for having the worst business climate in the nation, you like waiting online for five hours at motor vehicles or waiting month after month for your unemployment checks, your unemployment benefits, or not being able to get anybody on the phone in any department within state government, vote for Phil Murphy. If you don't mind a guy that said if taxes are your issue, we're probably not your state, or that he wanted to make the state the California of the East Coast, vote for Phil Murphy. If you want a guy that's going to try to lower property taxes, make this a better place to do business, and downsize a bloated state government that's not responsive to citizens, then vote for Jack Shetterelli. I'm a lifelong New Jerseyan, an MBA CPA, and a two-time successful Main Street business owner. I get it. Phil Murphy stands with a special interest. I stand with everyday, hardworking New Jerseyans. And what about Jack Cittarelli voters who still haven't voted? Uh, I mean, people, people in campaigns worry that, that, uh, that they're, they're going to leave votes on the table. Uh, what's, what's the message to get Cittarelli supporters motivated and to the polls by 8 p.m. on Tuesday? For the 22 months I've been on the campaign trail, David, I've convinced people I believe that we can win this election and that if they want change, they've got to make a change, and they do that by voting. They're staying home. They're just cutting their nose to spite their face. Because if you think the last four years were bad, wait until this guy's unencumbered by re-election. A Phil Murphy not worried about re-election will be the worst four years in the history of New Jersey. And I'm speaking with the Republican nominee for governor of New Jersey in Tuesday's election, Jack Cittarelli. Assemblyman, there have been three independent polls this week. They, they all still have you behind. Are, are these polls wrong? They're wrong in one major respect, uh, David. Uh, that is, they totally underrepresented Republicans. In those polls, they've got Republicans as less than one out of every four in the sample. We really be, believe Republicans will be at least one out of every three voters. So we see a very, very different outcome. And as we've seen from last year's polls, my goodness, Jeff Van Drew was behind supposedly by seven points with one week to go and won by seven points over Amy, Amy Kennedy. Uh, that's a 14-point swing. So... I don't trust the polls. There's only one poll that matters, the one on November 2nd. And all I can tell you is the energy I feel up and down the street, up and down the state, rather, is off the charts. Do you worry that at this point, three days before Election Day, that not enough people still know the name Jack Cittarelli? Um, I really don't, David. It's one of the reasons why we declared early. We know that it's always a media challenge in New Jersey. I mean, the north part of the state's always in the shadow of New York. South's always in the shadow of Philadelphia. Uh, under Governor Cheddarelli, that won't be the case. We'll be the varsity. But uh, we really do believe we've gotten our message out, and uh, we'll have the turnout we need to produce a victory. So what's your final pitch to the people of New Jersey on why Jack Cheddarelli should be their next governor? I'm a lifelong New Jerseyan. I'm a two-time successful Main Street business owner. I'm an MBA CPA with a very specific plan to lower property taxes, make New Jersey a much better place to do business so we create jobs, and someone who's going to downsize state government someone who's going to support our local police whose job has never been harder and someone who's going to get our public school curriculum back on track and provide vocational training for those kids that don't want or need to go to college. Those are the priorities right here in New Jersey. And those are priorities you never hear Phil Murphy talk about. 
And so, Jack Cittarelli, this is your, I don't know if you've been counting, I've been counting, this is your sixth appearance on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour, and our, our chats are always fun. Uh, so let me ask you this last question. Win or lose, can, can you and I make plans right now to go see the Yankees play next season? Well, I look forward to going to see that game with you, David, as governor. So either I'll drive or you'll have your trooper take us one way or the other. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Jack Cittarelli, best of luck to you on Tuesday. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure New Jersey is going to be hearing from you a lot over the next three days. Thanks for joining me. David, I appreciate the airtime. So after seven days of early voting in New Jersey, I mean, this is more, you know, more than a month after county clerks began mailing vote-by-mail ballots, 590,000 votes have already been cast. That, that number doesn't include vote-by-mail ballots on, on Friday, so that is, uh, that is going to be, be higher. And, and, and I just want to point out statewide turnout right now is 27% of all the votes that were cast in 2017. I mean, that was the last time New Jersey elected a governor. Uh, early voting, it, it's, this is new. Uh, if polls have been open for a week, they'll be open today, they'll be open tomorrow. You can go to multiple places within your county and, uh, and, and cast your ballots on a machine in person. Uh, the polls will be open until six, 8 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, this is new. So about 140,000 people as of yesterday have, uh, have, uh, have voted there. So that's, th- th- this, is a, this is a pilot program, but we're going to see how it's going to work. And, uh, and I'm waiting for St- Senator Steve Sweeney. Uh, and, and Mr. Senate President, I mean, you are, you're closely watching this election. The, the entire legislature is, is up on Tuesday. Uh, you're watching these Senate races closely. How, 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 are, how, is, how is New Jersey looking? Let me ask you first, how is the – well, first let me say hello to you, Mr. Senate President. How are you doing? David, I'm doing well. How about you? Um, I, guess I'm, I guess I get overly excited at election time, so, so I want to pause, yeah, make sure, sure you're, you're doing well. You have your own re-election race. I think you're in pretty good shape, right? Hey, I, I always look at everything. I'm 30 points down, David. I, you know, I, I think we'll be fine, but I always look like, you know, we're always running from behind. I was taught that a long time ago. So let me ask you about the governor's race, uh, uh, only the 2021 governor's race. How is, how is it looking for you right now? I think, I think uh, Governor Murphy's in, in, a, in, a, in a very good position to win. Uh, you know, Mike, I mean, David, it would be, hard to imagine losing when you have a million more registered voters. You know, it's just numbers. You know, it's overwhelmingly on our side. So, hey, look, you know, I, I think Governor Murphy did a good job leading us through this pandemic, which is, uh, unfortunately, it's not still over. It's not over yet, but we're getting through it. So I actually think the governor's uh, in a good position to win the election. And even though these polls, they're tightening, I mean, We've seen anything from eight or nine points up to eleven points now. Do you do you believe these polls? Do you think it's? Uh, uh, do you think the governor is comfortable, or do you think this is this is really close? I think the election. I said back in June. I always thought it to be a five to six point election. Uh, you know, David, just because uh, being the incumbent going through the difficult times we did doesn't endear you. Uh, you know, you're making tough decisions. You're making people uh, more ha- unhappy than happy. So uh, I, I think Governor Murphy's, uh, I don't believe 11 double-digit polls. I just don't, 
in, in gubernatorial races. I know it was that way last time, but there was a lot of factors in, in uh, the election four years ago. So uh, I really believe at the end of the day it's five or six points. And, and Senate President Steve Sweeney, I don't think there's anyone out there who thinks Republicans can win the New Jersey Senate this year. But let, let's talk about the Senate. Democrats have a, a 25-15 majority. District 2 in Atlantic County, this is a, a Republican seat, maybe the most competitive seat in the in the state in terms of, of a history of it going back and forth between the two parties over the last 50 years. Are, are you going to pick this one up? Oh, I'd rather be us than them right now. And, you know, David, uh, as we're entering in redistricting, I looked at that district, and it's uh, a 54% Democrat district. Um, you know, uh, Senator Brown had, you know, appeal, you know, cross-party appeal that uh, I think Vince Mazio honestly has and, and has been running a good race and has been running ahead, at least from what I've been looking at from the beginning. So, um, you know, I, I feel good about uh, Vince's chances, uh, real good about his chances. And District 8, that's mostly Burlington County. Senator Don Adiego elected as Republican four years ago. You played a major role in, in convincing her to switch parties in, in 2019. Now she's facing a Republican Assemblywoman, Jean Stanfielder. Are you going to hold this seat? David, as we speak, yeah. I, I think Dawn, you remember something. Dawn's represented that district for a long time, and people know her, and people actually like her. Uh, you know, it's not always about the letter next to your name. It's about what you've done and, and, and have you, uh, you know, delivered for the district. And Dawn's done a really good job. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, again, I, I wouldn't expect you to hear me say I think we're losing any seats, but I'm very confident we're winning them, to be honest with you. I, I feel like we're uh, in, in, a solid, in a solid spot right now. And, and I'm speaking with... New Jersey Senate President Steve Sweeney. Mr. Senate President, what about District 16? That's Central Jersey, if Central Jersey is a thing. We can talk about that another time. But Republicans have held the Somerset County Senate seat since 1903. But Kip Bateman's retiring. Is is this a flip for your party? This district's going to be solidly Democrat. Uh, uh, Andrews Workers done a, is, is a really good candidate. Uh, very bright guy, very well-respected person, and and uh, the district itself has just turned Democrat. Look at Sussex, you know, I mean, Somerset County. And I used to joke with Peg Schaefer, you know, people wouldn't return her calls. And now, you know, when she makes a phone call, people, people answer on the first string because that county was all Republican from 1965 and now is all Democrat. So the district itself, David, has really swung to the Democrat Party. We'll be watching your, your numbers uh, on, on Tuesday night. Senate President Steve Sweeney, thank you for coming on again, and good luck in your own campaign. I hope, I hope we'll speak soon. I look forward to it, David. Thank you, Mr. Senate President. And this is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. I will be right back with Senate Minority Leader Tom Kane. so please don't go anywhere. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. Tom Kane Jr. is the minority leader of the New Jersey Senate. He's not running for re-election this year. He is running for Congress in the 7th District of New Jersey in 2022. Mr. Leader, welcome. 
you again. How are you? I'm doing very well, Senator. Uh, the Monmouth University poll this week shows President Joe Biden's approvals in New Jersey upside down. He's at 43 percent approved, 49 disapproved. I mean, Biden won the state by 16 points last year. What What's going on with the president in, in a blue state? His priorities are not those of the people of New Jersey. He's failing them in every way, from Afghanistan to a whole host of issues internationally to the, what people are feeling in their pocketbooks, right? When people go out and, and, and go to the grocery stores and, and go to the, fill up the gas pumps, they see the inflation each and every day. And then when they look on the horizon, all these talks of trillions of dollars of new spending that isn't even defined yet, again, week after week after week, that's not what the people of New Jersey want. They want affordability. They want predictability. They want to be able to live in their in New Jersey and, and they and, and say that they love so much. And how do how do President Biden's numbers upside down going into a general election in New Jersey? How does how does that affect uh, close races up and down the state? Well, it's certainly a benefit because when you look at the candidates who are on the uh, Republican ballot up and down the state, whether they're at the top of the ticket to the legislative level to municipal races, and I you know, was able to go around some municipal candidates earlier today even, uh, there's a lot of energy out there. There's a lot of grassroots energy, and people are feeling very, very positive about their chances. And so I think people are really excited about their prospects going into this general election cycle and then rolling into the next general election cycle when you see uh, an individual like, like Tom Molinowski, who you know, in most recent news shows that Yet again, he's continuing to be investigated by the, the Ethics Committee. And uh, they're sh- showing, again, that he, he intentionally hid you know, millions of dollars of, of trades uh, from the public. And so they're you know, continuing to you know, screen that and look at that. And so he's, you know, he's been hiding um, his, his transactions, his stock transactions, people in New Jersey, and they understand that's an ethical failure. And, and Senator Kane, I, I mean, when you and I talk history, we could go an hour, and we can't do that today. But, but I want to ask you about this sort of the curse of the White House. The last five times uh, a new president has been inaugurated that year, the part the other party has won a New Jersey governor's race. Or are, are we, you know, is is that something people should pay attention to as it relates to to all across the state? Well, yes and yes. I think when you look at what's going on in the White House, it's clearly people are able to separate and, and focus on what's going on in Washington and how it mirrors what they've been seeing in New Jersey, where the, where the, um, the uh, Murphy administration has been out of touch on whether it's been seniors in nursing homes or you know, $11 you know, million, billion dollar increase in, in state spending. The fact that you know, they haven't figured out the education funding formula, so property taxes are going through the roof. And when they look at what people are seeing in the state house and how that it also mirrors what's going on in the White House, I, I'm very optimistic about about and, this fall and the elections. And, and Senator, in South Jersey, and this 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 really caught me in the poll that I saw this week. Joe Biden, I mean, he is he's effectively been South Jersey's third senator, you know, since since 1972. He's 21 points underwater. He's at a 37-58 approval rating. You, you know, you as minority leader are watching these races. Senator Sweeney just said, you know, he feels optimistic about races in Atlantic and Burlington counties. What is, what is the Biden effect going to be in those districts? Listen, I think that Vince Palestino, when you're looking at the second district, is the perfect fit for South Jersey. He's a business-minded legislator who knows how to bring economic activity to that district. He knows how to protect Parker's Lang City. As you know, he's the leading guy on making sure the casino indoor smoking ban is continued, so he's protecting the workers there. 
as opposed to his opponent, Vince Mazio, who's been a follower from his first days in the legislature to now. And that's a real contrast. And then when you look in District 8 between uh, Gene Stanfield and Don Diego, you know, I mean, Gene has, that's an incredible contrast between Gene's record and Don's record in, in their public service. And she's a, you know, Gene's a career public servant. She's known as a legislator, a problem solver. You know, it's, you know, countywide elected, you know, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout entire career. And, you know, Don Diego, you know, switch parties. And, right. and let me, let me ask you also, cause- the 16th district. We only have a couple seconds left. Kip Bateman sure. retiring. You know, good friend of yours is. Can you hold that seat? Yes, absolutely. Andrews Wicker is way too liberal for that district. He's he's just not. He's been a rubber stamp for the, the Phil Murphy efforts in Trenton, and I think that Mike Pappas has been a great leader uh, and helped people in small businesses as as a as a congressman and and throughout his entire career. He's a great leader. He's going to get elected. And and this is this is this is a district that's also you know pretty much entirely within within your district. So I, I'm sure you're going to be watching that very closely. Senator Tom Kane, uh, Republican Minority Leader of of New Jersey, thank you as always for for joining me. Thank you, David. You stay safe now. Thank, thank you, and now. and we will be we will be back with a real treat. I'll be joined by NBC News, MSNBC, National Political Correspondent Steve Kornacki, best political analyst anywhere. So don't go away. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein, and we have uh, we have the governor of New Jersey on the line. Governor Phil Murphy, decision day is almost upon us. How are you doing? Listen, we're out there working our tails off, David, not surprisingly. We've been running from the get-go like we're 10 points behind, and we continue to do so. Um, getting a good reception, um, feeling good about that, but we take nothing for granted. We're, we're, we're running through the tape on Tuesday. And there's still undecided voters out there. So, so for them, why should they vote for Phil Murphy and not Jack Cittarelli on Tuesday? Yeah, there are some undecided voters. There's no question about it. But for the most part, this is a, a big turnout um, a reality right now, I think, for both sides. But for the folks who are still on the fence, I think this is a very uh, stark choice, probably the starkest statewide choice we've ever had. Continuing to move forward, we've turned the state around. Uh, we've got momentum across a whole range of areas from minimum wage to pension payments to criminal justice reform to health care and women's health care protected and funded. I could funding public schools like go on and on and on. Um, it's either more of that or it's back to the bad old days when the state only worked for the wealthy and the well-connected. The, the choice is stark. Um, we're, we're, we're on the right side of history. And, and, and this is, again, forward versus backward. That, to me, is summarizes uh, the, the choice here. Governor, I think close to 600,000 votes have already been cast. I, w- I would imagine that there's a lot of Phil Murphy voters who still haven't voted yet. Uh, what are you saying to Murphy Oliver supporters who, who haven't made their way to the polls at this point? Yeah, get out there and vote. Uh, it's a very fair point. So um, you've got one more day of early in-person voting tomorrow, Sunday, October 31st. Or if you're like a lot of folks who have requested a mail-in ballot, fill that thing out and either mail it in or put it in a drop box, but but do that now. Uh, We really need your help. We need your support here. I mean, our our team, uh, in terms of registrations, is bigger 
uh, but they've got to show up. And that's the key thing right now is making sure folks vote, whether it's by mail or tomorrow early in person, and obviously uh, at latest and at last on Election Day this Tuesday the 2nd. And I know you're being diplomatic. I'll, I'll be less so. Those who are listening, please don't mail your ballots. Go to a Dropbox and, and go to the Secretary of State's office and find out where to do that. But, but Governor, what's I'm speaking with Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. What's at stake now for New Jersey uh, over the next four years? I think there's a lot at stake. I mean, I think this is the difference between responsible leadership and extreme leadership, making decisions based on science and fact and data versus putting your finger in the air and seeing which way the political winds are blowing. As I mentioned, forward versus backward. And if you're in the middle class of the state, where you're getting at long last tax relief, where your health care is more affordable, college is more affordable, child care is more affordable, you've got a shot at getting your kid into pre-K, uh, which the state is paying for, NJ Transit's getting fixed and the fares aren't going up. If you want more of that, uh, that vote for us, uh, because that's the path we're on, and then some. Uh, but but the choices, the stakes are to go back to the bad old days where, as I said, the wealthy and the well-connected did great, but the rest of us were on the outside banging on the glass trying to get in. That's not who we are as a state. We've turned that around. Let's make sure we keep it that way. And Phil Murphy, your supporters have told me the reason COVID dropped from the number one issue in New Jersey to number four in a month, and that's from the Monmouth poll this week, is that your response to the pandemic is working. Is, is that right? I don't think about it politically, David. Uh, honestly, I never have because we've had to make some very tough decisions that were probably politically very unpopular, but we're, we're going to do what we need to do to save as many lives as we can. New Jersey's paid an enormous toll. I think it's getting better. It's pretty clear we've got the variant on the run right now, and God willing, we'll keep it that way. More folks getting vaccinated and folks doing the right thing, uh, using their common sense. But I don't think about it politically. Uh, I never have, and I I will not as long as this thing is with us. And my last question, Governor Phil Murphy, you've been doing politics for a while. You know, many of us in politics are overtly superstitious, and you've been on the ballot three times. You've never lost any Election Day rituals for for the Murphy family? (laughs) Well, I normally say starting the day by voting, but we all voted a week ago. Uh, And by the way, it was the best voting experience uh, of of my life and I think of all of our lives. But beyond that, no, we'll we'll be out there on on Election Day, the second pounding away up and down the state. We'll end the day and evening uh, win, lose, or draw in Asbury Park. And I would just plead one more time for folks to get out there and vote. And maybe you'll tell First Lady Tammy Murphy she can stop raining some money on Wednesday, just for a day, maybe. You'd <laughs> be relieved to hear that. I'm sure. Yeah, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, best of luck to you on Tuesday, and, and thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. This might be the the most excited I've ever been to to, uh, be on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. I am joined by Steve Kornacki, NBC News, MSNBC national political correspondent, and and knows more about New Jersey than anybody. Steve, thanks for coming on. Uh, David, I, I appreciate it. I'm I'm super excited to be here. But that uh, that title, I don't mean to make this a, a mutual admiration society, but I think anybody who's listening knows that you are the one who knows more than anything about New Jersey politics and taught me uh, so much that I know about it. I, I, I know I love it. I'm fascinated by it. I love the years I spent covering it. But you're the one who uh, who taught me so much about it. And uh, 
Uh, always appreciate that. And no one I'd rather talk to on the weekend before a big uh, New Jersey election. Well, thank you. That that's very gracious of you. Uh, you know, you're 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 the classy one here, but I'm right. You you know, you know, you, you I've I've watched you over the years. You you know New Jersey. So, what's your take on this race for governor, Phil Murphy and Jack Cittarelli? Yeah, you know, it's one of the, I um you know we'll be live on the air you know Tuesday night um you know at MS and I I think obviously you know I would love nothing more than to spend the night um just fixated on New Jersey and kind of given uh given uh, Virginia the short end of the stick but um you know my expectation going in is you know from my standpoint we'll be spending more time um on Virginia it just looks more competitive on paper that said um I, the one question i have i think coming into this is, is kind of a um it's it's less a jersey centric question and it's more a national question if there is something big significant somewhat late breaking that's happening nationally with the public really turning on biden on the democrats on democratic control of congress um, you know, these these off-year gubernatorial elections, New Jersey and, and Virginia, we've seen so much in the past that they end up being harbingers of, of what's to come in the midterms. Um, so, you know, I, I guess my one thought on Jersey is if we look up on Tuesday night and it's like, whoa, you know, Virginia is not just competitive. It's actually it's actually going to be a solid Republican win. If Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, is winning by, you know, four, five, six points, something like that, and it's not just a competitive race, then I think my mind would, would, would go to, uh, you know, hey, if, if Virginia has gone from being Biden by 10 to Youngkin by you know, a somewhat comfortable margin, what's to say New Jersey, you know, at, uh, at Biden winning it by 16 couldn't suddenly be in play? Um, but um, I, I, I think it's that, that's kind of the that's clearly I think the long shot scenario right now. But that's the that's kind of the one thought I have on, on, on what could change it. Otherwise, I'm, I'm reading the same polls you are, and um, the polling has been pretty uh, pretty encouraging. If you're Phil Murphy, if you're a Democrat, not just that he's ahead, but I, I think I, in that most recent you know Monmouth poll came out just a couple of days ago. Not only was was Murphy ahead 11, um, he had a positive you know more than 50 percent job approval rating. And and I think it was 52 percent, basically 10 points better than Biden's. So um, I, I, on paper, it looks uh, it, it looks like Chitterelli's got uh, got his work cut out for him. And Corzine, John Corzine, when he the last Democratic governor who ran for reelection, he lost his his approvals were at 35. That's a that's a big difference. And, and you think, right. And the Democrat before Corzine to lose will go way back here. But um, Jim Florio, you know, 1993 had had. Um, he had a bit of a of a political recovery in the second half of his first term, but still, I mean, he touched what was then the third rail of New Jersey politics in, in raising um, raising the income tax and faced just um, historic um, political carnage in his midterm election in 1991. I think his approval rating at one point had fallen even below 20 percent in that first term. Um, you know, he recovered a, a fair amount toward re-election, but, but uh, again, he, he, um, he had dug himself a much deeper hole than we've seen on paper Murphy dig himself at all. So New Jersey's a blue state. I mean, it, it has, and, it, and it's getting bluer. There's a million more Democrats than Republicans. I think, I think when Christie beat Corzine, that was 750,000. Uh, Republicans make up about 23% of the electorate. Jack Cittarelli was, said today, that he thinks Republicans will make up one out of every three votes. Does, does that sound right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's what the math you're giving there is just, it, I, it just speaks to this. We see it in New Jersey, we see it in so many other states. The, 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 the transformation over the last 10, 15 years or so, and I think especially accelerated by the Trump era, um, where Republicans have just, lo- I mean, I, I look at the numbers in New Jersey, and I mean, where Republicans have lost ground in registration and where they have lost ground in performance um, in elections, or d- just places when I, when I was back covering. New Jersey, you know, with you back uh, back in the early part of this century, I guess it was. It was unthinkable when I, when I start looking at these numbers. But I mean, you're looking at Somerset County, which, you know, back then I was trained to think of as a as a kind of a Republican area. You know, I mean, Trump just blew out Biden there. Um, you know, even in 2017, you know, Kim Guadano could not win that over Phil Murphy the first time. You know, Monmouth, Morris County, which should be given Republicans just you know massive numbers. Um, you know, Trump was was barely able to carry Monmouth. He lost Morris. wasn't much better for Guadano in in uh, uh, in 2017. So I just think over it, really over the last decade, and definitely the Trump era, there's just these areas where Republicans used to have big, could be able to count on big, big stashes of votes that could um, at least put them in the game. You know, when you have the Democrats relying on a, you know a Essex County, Hudson County, Camden County, could at least put them in the game, and now. Not even sure they're going to win them, you know. Yeah, and I, I keep looking at I keep looking at Morris County, even these, the town by town numbers from twelve years ago, and then and then I'm looking at the presidential. Uh, uh, Christie beat Corzon by forty seven thousand votes in Morris County, and and Joe Biden won Morris County. He you know not by much, but he won it by he won it by by four points. Christie won it by twenty nine points. Biden won it by four. Uh, this just doesn't. It doesn't seem to me it's got the same kind of of, of power for a Republican than, that they used to need to get this math to win. And, and when I say that my question about New Jersey is kind of a national question, it's, I, I, I guess this is what it comes down to. This is where the national trend would meet the would meet the, the local um, um, you, you, would, would kind of apply on the local ground. But it's basically um, the, the big picture question that I'm going to be asking Tuesday night with Virginia and with New Jersey is all of this ground that Republicans lost really in the Trump era. um, How much of it can they get back without Trump on a ballot? How much of it can they get back with, you know, Glenn Youngkin, Jack Chitterelli could talk about how, how strategically they've gone about it, whether they've been totally successful in doing it, but each has tried to present a much more moderate, much less kind of Trumpish image to the public. Um, how much ground can you win back doing that? How much? So in New Jersey, it's, I mean, those three counties are the three that I'm going to go, I think, right to on, on, on Tuesday night, Monmouth, Morris, Somerset, because um, I think there's just been the most erosion there for Republicans really in the Trump era. Um, is there an indication that a surprising amount of, of ground is being won back um, more than the polls are indicating? More than the voter registration stats are indicating, more than the local, uh, more than the uh, uh, um, uh, recent elections are indicating, is there a surprising amount of ground Republicans are winning back? Because if there's if there's just something in the air nationally um, where there's a big kind of Biden Democratic backlash building for the midterm, you know, I, I think you'd see surprises in those places where it's like, hey, these are these are kind of like numbers we used to see from Republicans. Where did that come from? I, I, that's the kind of surprise you'd need to see on Tuesday for Chitterelli. This isn't. I mean, this isn't Tom Kane or Christy Whitman's New Jersey anymore. I mean, that, it just it seems to be so many changes. I mean, I look at I look at towns that you know 
we all thought used to be solid Republican. I mean, you know, places places like like Ramsey or or uh, uh, or Bedminster Township in Somerset County. I mean, these are these are becoming blue towns. Right, and it's funny we're a few minutes into this, and this is the first time you mentioned you know uh, Bergen County. And I, I'm not even talking. I mean, of course, I, I guess the, the turning point, you know, for Bergen in, in some ways, which again, you know, I'll go back, you know, two decades as sort of the this was the bellwether county. Um, you know, Christie got elected in 2009 without without carrying uh, Bergen, almost did, but did not actually carry it. And you know, one of the one of the things that I learned when I first came to New Jersey, which was you know a few years before that, was you got to win. If you're a Republican, you got to win Bergen to win statewide. And, and Bergen was even kind of getting out of reach for Democrats, for Republicans, um, you know, back then. And it's, you know, it, and now we've traveled, you know, a full decade further. And, you know, it's it's I, I tell people there's that old, you know, I'm from Massachusetts, as you know, Tip O'Neill, you know, the former House Speaker from uh, from uh, Cambridge had the, uh, the great line, all politics is local. Um, I, I really think that the story of, of modern times is that all politics is not local. It's it's national. And you just see these these county maps, whether it's in New Jersey or any other state, they really are. You look at the demographics within a county and they're all they're all kind of breaking in a very almost predictable way based on national politics, based on the national identity of these parties. What about a place like Middlesex County? Christie, Christie won Middlesex by two. Biden won it by 22 points. I mean, Christie was Christie was carrying places like. Like Woodbridge and, and East Brunswick and Edison, can can Chitterelli win this election without flipping a a, a sort of a middle class blue collar county like Middlesex? Yeah, that was. I think I had been telling you too uh, off the air. You know, when I look back at the results from '09, that's the, the the biggest single surprise that jumps out at me. Besides, oh yeah, I mean, I remember that Christie didn't win Bergen, but the thing I forgot was that Christie actually carried Middlesex County. Um, and, and I think it spoke to, I, there's a little bit, I suspect, when you look back at it, what, what I was just saying about how, how national politics have become, um, versus I think there might have even been more of an opportunity for Christie just a decade ago to defy the party label a little bit. And I think he was a, he was, you know, kind of a, uh, a better match, um, for the demographics, um, you know, sort of culturally, demographically with, uh, with Middlesex County. And I think he might have got a, a, a boost from that. But that one, you know, that one surprised me, um, looking back, that he was able to pull that out. And, and, and I don't, you know, that'd be, talking about what I'd be surprised to see Chitterelli pull off on, on Tuesday, I'd be stunned if, if Chitterelli were able to do something like that on Tuesday. So we could we could basically go to just a couple of polling places, right? We, you could you could go to you could go to Bedminster, and you could go to Rutherford, and you could go to uh, Parsippany and 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 Edison, and and sort of tell how this election is going to go. Yeah, I think so. Like I said, I mean, it's got to be you know, it's it's not enough for like if you're Chitterelli, it's it's not enough to like you know, hey, we're winning Monmouth by you know fifteen points or something. You know, it's got to be just an absolute you need high turnout, but you just it, it needs to be a slaughter. You know, um, it, it needs to be a slaughter in in, uh, in Morris County. You know, I, I think I was looking back at, uh, you know, Kim Guadano in uh, uh, 2017. You know, it wasn't even a close race statewide. I think, you know, now she's from Monmouth County, but I think she won Monmouth by a little more than 10 points, you know, in, in 2017. And again, you were, as you were saying, Christy got that by 30 when you want a squeaker statewide. Right. So, you know, it's got to be, um, you got to just drive up numbers t- 
to a, to an extent there that it, it it's one of the you just look at politics right now you look at recent elections you look at polls it's hard to fathom it's hard to imagine the republicans doing it and that's why i say i, I think if chitterelli were to make if we end up seeing a race here that ends up being two three points or the chitterelli actually wins i think we end up telling a story that's that's a national story about like there is a there's a big, big, bigger than anybody expected backlash building against Democrats. And, and this is what it looks like when that when that happens. What about and I'm speaking with Steve Kornacki, a uh, uh, national political correspondent for, for NBC and news and minutes NBC. There's about 600,000 early votes that have been cast so far. New Jersey's New Jersey's just a couple of years into a, an aggressive vote by mail program. This is the first year of nine days of early voting. Uh we're seeing of that 600,000, uh, really about, about 60% of those voters are, are Democrats. Could, could, does, does it seem like Murphy might be going into election day 150, 200,000 votes ahead? I think that's likely. I think that's, that's the story of, of politics in the, um, heavy early voting, heavy male voting era that we've kind of entered into. Um, in, in most places now. Um, and I, I, I always try to caution folks on reading too much into that. Um, it, it, it's to me, and I, I've, I'd say this from the experience of, in my view now, having read too much into it in the past, <laughs> um, where, you know, I would see numbers like that and I would, I would think of this as, you know, these are banked votes and now the election day vote has to be that much more Republican if the Republicans are going to win. I, I've just, I've watched enough elections where, these early voting numbers seem very daunting. It seems like the Democrats have built a big advantage only for the Republican to, to end up winning. I mean, the, the textbook example of this in modern times is 2016 with Donald Trump, um, Florida in particular. I, I mean, there was if you go back to 2016, there was a month of, of stories about the early vote in Florida, just just making it absolutely impossible for Donald Trump to win. And of course, Donald Trump won Florida. Um, it, fairly, relatively speaking here, fairly comfortably uh, in 2016. Um, I, I really think when we talk about the early vote, the mail vote, and, and then the sort of the old-fashioned election day vote, we're really just talking about, it, it, we're just moving numbers around. I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that we're talking about when Democrats get a strong early vote turnout, that it's not just voters who they would have turned out anyway on election day. Um, and, and for whatever reason, we, we've reached a point where Democrats seem much more enthusiastic. This is pretty much everywhere. Democrats seem much more enthusiastic about voting by mail than Republicans do. So they just do it much more frequently. They are somewhat more enthusiastic um, about doing the early in-person voting than Republicans are. That's not that's not true everywhere, but that's true in a lot of places, it seems. Um, and then Republicans just seem more content to continue to do, you know, it's election day. We'll go out. We'll vote on election day. We'll go down to our poll place. We'll vote then. Um, and, and when you look at the vote returns and you break it out by voting method, that's what you end up seeing. And I, and I actually I, I generally think um, it, what it all ends up being are, are people who would have voted anyway. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we we, um, we saw it last year. I think yeah, last year was a virtually entirely uh, vote by mail election. So I, I almost throw those numbers out. In, in terms of, of looking at looking at those trends, but I mean, look, the Murphys voted, the Chitterellis voted. They were going to vote even if they had to put chains on their on their tires and drive through twenty inches of snow. So, so I agree with you. Uh, b- before we leave, because we're, we're uh, yeah, 
it, it goes just so fast. And I'm speaking with uh, with with Steve Kornacki, best political analyst in the in the world. When you first came to New Jersey, I'm make sure I have my time right. New, the Senate was split. It was 2020. It was shared control. It, you, you were only a couple of years past when Republicans controlled everything. Uh, uh, is is New Jersey looking at any changes in the, in legislative and congressional, or are you, you know, will you view will you view this year's election sort of as a precursor to next year's midterms and the effect on redistricting? Yeah, boy, that's again. We're talking about all these changes in New Jersey, the uh, the makeup of the legislature. Yes, that's that's exactly right. I got there in two thousand two, and the state senate had had gone from Republican control to a twenty to twenty tie um, when I got there. The assembly uh, at that point, the Democrats had just the year before won control of the assembly for the first time in a decade, and it put them at it was forty four thirty six. Um, and and it's the shift. We talk about voting registration, and everything. The shift in the legislature tells the story of New Jersey. And Jersey, most exciting world, you know, place in the in the planet. Uh, Steve Kornacki, MSNBC, NBC News political correspondent. Thank you for joining me today. Anytime. Good luck on Tuesday. Thank you. And you're, this is David Wildstein. You've been listening to the New Jersey Glow Power Hour on Talk Radio seventy seven WABC.